0: Coming up next on the Health Hustle.
1: We are creative beings by nature, and if you don't try, the answer is always no. You're always going to fail. I'll give you an example. I want to be able to exercise all sorts of creativities. I want to not only get draw my tats on myself. I want to do it for other people. Why? Because I just feel like doing it. I want to learn how to play chess, and then I might not be a grandmaster, but I want to go and whoop some ass. I want to get good at basketball. Like three, four months ago, I picked up Muay Thai. I've been going five days a week. You know, since then. But the whole thing is figuring out, trying different things to figure out what you, what you like and don't like because we're supposed to have those experiences. Mm. If you don't try it, if you're, if you're stuck in the matrix and you're doing the same shit and you have the same schedule for 20 years, there's no growth. And if you're not growing, you're dying. My philosophy is try it, you either love it or you hate it. And then you never have to do it again. But you at least you tried it. You know what I'm saying? Okay. And then what I also, I also add a little bit more on top of that is try it again a few years later. You know, try it again. People like try it once. I did that 20 years ago. Try it again. See if you like it again. I'll give you an example. I did this. I went snowboarding. First time I did it, I hated it. So I did it again two years later. I still hated it. (laughs) I still hated it, but I tried it because it was cool. And I was like, I want to, I want to push my body to the limit.
0: Hey folks, and welcome to the health hustle of Austin, Texas. On this show, we uncover the big ideas from your fellow health and fitness entrepreneurs in the Austin, Texas area about how they built their business and the lessons they learned along the way. Hey y'all, Corey here, and on this episode, I had a chance to sit down with my guy, Ali Haseeb. Ali Hasib is a speaker, author, creative, and serial entrepreneur. His eight-figure design and development agency has won him... Multiple awards and has been the foundation for all of his personal success. All he has made it his mission to create a very powerful brand that embodies his personal mission statement to unlock the best version of himself while creating impact and income and teaching others how to do the same. Some of the things that we get into on this episode are how he built such a diverse skill set, the game of entrepreneurship, which I love that expression, mentorship, mistakes, that was a huge learning lesson for him, the healthcare racket, which I can totally resonate with because I worked in healthcare for four to five years, getting scammed by a partner, skill stacking, the four Ps of principles, which is why it's tattooed on his neck, overcoming fear, learning how to learn, playing the long game, and so much more. One last thing, if you're a health or fitness professional and you're having difficulties getting leads, I have a free seven-step process that walks you through how to convert your social media following into paying clients. You can find the link in the description of this episode. Without further ado, let's go. Ali Hasib, welcome to the show, brother. How you doing?
1: Doing well. How about yourself?
0: Really good. I have been excited about this conversation because I know that you have a very diverse background of so many different industries. You're probably one of the most diverse entrepreneurs that I've had on the show by far in terms of like the number of things that you dabble in from even before we recorded and talking about ATM machines and crypto and healthcare and apps and everything, marketing and everything in between. Yes, sir. And so I think a good starting point for this conversation is really just kind of that entry point into entrepreneurship is like, what was the very first endeavor that even opened your eyes to starting your own business? Absolutely. Well, thanks for having me, Corey. Uh, That's a really good question to start. Have you ever read the book, The One Thing?
1: Yes. So I I agree with what he's saying, but I do not abide by it at all because I feel like what you said is the, you hit the nail on the head, uh, I, like a well rounded person. I wanna be able to exercise all my qualities, all my passions, all my hobbies, try things, not be good at them, and then try certain things and be really good at them and kind of discover and unlock what I really wanna do. So that's why I've been involved in so many different industries. Obviously, it, it boils down to marketing system operations, you know, creating vehicles that create income, but it's all exercising my creative ability. So, mm. like tattoos. Art, you know, that's, that's one form of expression. Fashion, form of expression. What I listen to in my music, whether what I consume in my brain, you know, podcasts, videos, you know, audiobooks, whatever. But then that translates over to, you know, what things that I'm interested in that allow me to generate income. So trading, Forex, crypto, stocks. No, I'm not a trader. I don't sit and day trade. I don't scalp trade. But I want to know what's going on. I want to have that skill set that regardless of a bullish economy or bearish economy, I can make money. Crypto nfts it's not just a trend there's an application for the technology so we got really good at learning the application of technology put together a team learn you know web 3 learn solidity put it all together launch an nft project that our mission never changed you know our project was called the goat society so the greatest of all time teaching people how to be great no matter what we do you know so it's whether it's nfts or whether it's helping people generate passive income whether it's you know my book whether it's personal development even like i said not a fitness influencer, but a healthy a healthy lifestyle advocate. Just trying to be the best version of ourselves in all aspects.
0: Do you feel like there's some overlap between all of those different industries that like these are pivotal things within each one that you've seen been bring the most fruition to what you're doing with business?
1: Yeah. Overarching answer to that is it's entrepreneurship. It's the game of entrepreneurship. The better you get, uh, the more value you bring to the marketplace, the more money you make and you know, it's a laptop lifestyle we can travel, we can do different things, you can have no one stopping you. You know, when you're at when you have a job, you can have one job, two jobs, maybe if you're lucky you can have three jobs. But it's limited, right? You max out at one point. So, with that being said, when it comes to entrepreneurship or streams of income, there's no limit. You can have 10, 20, 30, 40. I mean, really it, it, there's no limit. So, that's the overarching answer, but the things that kind of play a part in all of these ventures is is the ability to learn you know your ability to focus discipline building the right team and then optimizing what you have Mm -hmm. and if you can do this time and time again no matter what industry or venture you're in you can make money you can build a solid group of individuals you can have a mastermind group you can build you know residuals you can scale so i mean we can get deeper into that but there is definitely a, a common theme in all of them if you do right you can you can make money, you can win as a, as a person, you know?
0: Well, I love the analogy of the game. I've said it a number of times on the show is just like that aspect of having the mentality around the fact that it is a game and not only a game, but the infinite game is what it's often described as, is that realizing that there's really no end to it, which actually makes it fun in a lot of ways. Is that like, regardless of the endeavor that you're diving into, knowing that I always come at, come at it with the idea of. Uh, I learned this from Alex Ramousey of you can't quit if you don't lose or you can't lose if you don't quit. Quit, And I think about that all the time is that now you're playing the game of just like, how can I outlast my competitors? And I've heard you mention on another show as well, a book that you talked about, The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy, which by far is one of my favorite books of all time. It's probably one of the most life-changing books that I've read just because the timing of it, I think was so perfect But in regards to the game of entrepreneurship Like what are the things that you like about the game? and What are the things you don't like about the game of entrepreneurship?
1: Mm -hmm. That's a good question.
0: Well, everyone thinks they're good at the game, right? But they may or
1: may not be and some people think uh, They got it all figured out when that's not the case because you're in a constant state of learning So the game is always evolving. So you must always evolve you got to be able to you know, differentiate the goods and the bads. I mean, it's cyclical, right? It goes up sometimes, it goes down sometimes. And you got to learn the lessons. And there's a lot of good parts about it. There's a lot of bad parts about it. One thing is not easy. So you just got to get good at playing it, you know, and, and that good might always shift. It, it's going to change from venture to venture, from team to team, from the time in your life, like you said, you read a book. And at that point, it really, you know, shifted your paradigm. But at if you read it at a different point in your life, it might not have impacted you the same. Totally. I
0: think about that all the time. I've I've found that books are less important of the actual book itself, and I've found that it's more important the timing of when you read the book, of hearing the right words at the right moment that really that you need to hear. Because there's a plethora of information out there that you can consume, but it's really about getting the right advice in the right moment That's I think is the most important. And to pull back on your lesson learning a little bit here, I want to come back to the fact of you probably have a lot of lessons learned from the healthcare consulting that you were doing in that business that you kind of started with in there. Can we pull back to kind of that yeah. story and what you learned out of that experience? Absolutely. I think the first
1: biggest lesson was, you know, surround yourself with the right people and mentor because uh, initially the the mentor, my, my the CEO of my company, he was very flashy. He was very... Uh, kind of out there but it was cool it's a a cool lifestyle think like wolf of wall street style imagine you know when you're when you're a young kid and you see that lifestyle you're like yes that's what i want that's what it's about right you know fifty thousand dollar watches five thousand dollar suits you know six cars two mansions private jet you know like that kind of stuff midget bowling yeah yeah midget bowling, (laughs) exactly right the out there stuff um but when you're going for longevity, that's not that's just a short term pleasure. That's not your end goal, right? That's just the means to an end. But one of the biggest lessons I learned is you have to have the right mentor and the team next to you. So everyone, it's funny because it was it was a it was a healthcare industry, so they're promoting good health and they're promoting obviously hospitals and uh, freestanding emergency rooms and urgent care. So everyone's tr- you know talking about being healthy. No one was healthy. Totally, no one was healthy. Everyone you know did a lot of drugs. Everyone stayed up late. Partied, got to work at 6 a.m. Like it was, it was pretty rough, right? And on that note, the the CEO wasn't he wasn't a people person. Like he he had money, he threw money at problems to solve the problems, but no one really enjoyed being at work. Honestly, uh, be, in my opinion, besides me, because I was the young, I was the youngest person in the company. I was like, let me show up every day, show out, let me go go very re- really hard, be very valuable. So, and then. Two years later, we built a... Me and two other people, uh, with me leading the project, we built a software that he used to generate $50 million in business. And he didn't even... He promised me a six-figure salary. He got me random stuff. He got me a car. He got me a phone and, you know, Ubers and random shit. Like, he'd just pay for shit, you mm-hmm. know? But he wouldn't give me the actual salary. I wanted to hit that six-figure bar. It was driving me crazy because he said he would. It was a principal's thing. It was, his, you know, his so and my dumbass didn't get it on paper so it was verbals i got you i got you you know i was like all right yeah you trusted him. i trusted him right i looked up to him that's the thing and uh so the first lesson i learned was yes word of mouth handshake everything's cool but get it written down so you can hold both sides can hold each other accountable hey you said you're going to do this and this is what you get in return and i said i'm going to do this if one of us you know doesn't meet this requirement we can you know have a discussion about like hey how can i help you hit this goal we didn't do that it was more like move on to the next thing move on to the next thing move on to the next thing it was like kind of you know brushing it on the carpet i got you here like and, and when i was a little younger new phone all right cool i'm blinded for two months until i remembered mm-hmm. oh yeah yo, you know what he, he said he's gonna give me that where you know paycheck hey is it gonna happen in this paycheck is it gonna happen in this paycheck no here's the best insurance well yeah no shit. they're in the healthcare industry they're able to give me the best insurance hey insurance for your family cool Great, that's awesome, but where's the salary that we you discussed the one you talked about? So, and then obviously with with you know with the mentorship, having the right people as you know your team. So if everyone's miserable, if everyone's talking shit about each other, everyone hates the boss, no one agrees with him, everyone's kind of miserable to go to work. What's going? What do you think is going to happen? The law of averages say, states that you're going to be that sixth person. So if you're around five miserable people, you're going to be around. You're going to be the sixth one. And so eventually that happened where I found myself like kind of complaining about work. In in my family's eyes, it was a corporate job. I was in healthcare, and I'm telling doctors what to do, blah, 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 whatever. Right. But as time went on, I found myself like waiting for the weekend. You know, I'm waiting to go out with my friends. Yeah. Are they going to send me to the city? Cool. I'll go to the city. But where can I go out in that city? What can I do to kind of escape from the job? Because it's not easy. It was 12 hour shifts because it's the healthcare industry, so you're working that matrix schedule like a nurse or a doctor. Mm-hmm. So like seven to seven, I'm over here, you know, helping them input their information into an EMR software, you know? So it got tough. And then um, that's the first lesson, you know, get everything on paper, surround yourself with the right team. Those are the first few lessons. And then the last one to when I before I left that spot was, uh, you know, you're always limited. You're always capped when you're working for somebody else. You're never capped when you're working for yourself. So there's a quote, I think the rock says it or something. They're like, you know, don't work 40 hours and go home and not work on your own shit. Right. Cause you're not tired. You're uninspired. Mm. That stuck to me. Cause like, I remember him, he, when I, when I came on the, the team, he had four facilities. When I
0: left, he had 14. Damn. Yeah. And he bought your loyalty essentially with gifts is what it sounds That's like. That's exactly what he did. And he continued to buy your loyalty knowing that he was like really getting the bigger prize at the end of this. Correct. Rainbow.
1: Well, obviously I wasn't in, in the numbers meetings and stuff like that. Right. But, but when you see him oh, we're acquiring a location, Ali, go help set it up. All right, cool. That's cool. Oh, shit. These, these guys got a nice location. Look at their office. Look at their office. Look at the. And then I'm like, all right, you know what? My time will come. No worries. No t-, you know? And it, it was crazy because the way I left was kind of funny. I was so mad at one point that I sent an angry letter to the entire company with him CC'd in it, or to him CC'ing everybody else, like 40 people. And I'm like, you're not a man of your word, this and that. Because long story short, a lot of stuff happened back and forth. He got a little disrespectful, and I got a little disrespectful. And and then it was just tiring because I'm like – and that leads me to how I started my business, how I met Sean, my business partner, and um, how I got my first investment. Because, you know, Sean's dad saw us working 12 hours a day, and then coming home and trying to work on our own shit. Because I started the marketing agency alongside while I was there, you know?
0: I don't normally ask this question yeah. on the show, but do you, do you
1: hold on to that at all? or do you? I did for a long time, but as I learned to heal and let go, I learned that it was a, it was a valuable, that was supposed to happen. So mm-hmm. I can learn it that way. Otherwise, I wouldn't have learned it. And have would, you talked to him since? I have not talked. I've, the day I quit, I've never talked to him since. I've talked to everybody else in the company besides him. He never hit me up and I never hit him up.
0: That's crazy. That's yeah. a crazy story man. Yeah. That's and and speaking of healthcare, I I worked in healthcare for a number of years as a big part of my history. And yeah, there's nothing healthy about healthcare.
1: <laughs> I've been there. Bro, <laughs> no, it's crazy. Actually, I just the video I just posted today, it was a lesson from that that experience. That was like 7 years ago, right? He was always like, "Take care of the patients." And it's funny. I literally just posted. He goes, "Take care of the patients." That's all he was worried about. "Take care of the patients." And it was he kept billing the patients like super crazy bills. You ever heard, you, know, you heard the jokes and people kind of, they meme about it, right? It's like when you go to the hospital, the band-aid is like 50 bucks, right? Mm-hmm. 20,000, $50,000 bill. I've seen it. I worked in it. So you know. Yeah. And so that's, that's what it was. And it was all commercial insurances. So you can, you can rack it up. Mm-hmm. You know, each patient's worth eight to 10 grand. Yep. You see 30 patients in the month, you do the math.
0: Yep, times 14 facilities. That's Please. a massive reason I got out of it, man. I, I worked with a hand surgeon. So I used to work in outpatient orthopedics and this hand surgeon, not exaggerating, was seeing about 70 to 80 patients a day purely because like he... Jeez. Yeah, just because like... And these were consultations, not like actual surgery, but still like lined them up essentially right so you can just like knock them out because like a big part of the game and it's not even at the fault of even like practitioners or surgeons or people in the game which is super unfortunate because like they get into healthcare generally like you said because they value health they want to help people they want to make a difference and then they get jammed into the system where the only metrics that matters in healthcare which is all driven by insurance is how can we make more money this quarter Mm. And it's purely driven by like exactly that of seeing more patients or like charging $50 for a Band-Aid or yeah. whatever the case might be. And it's super unfortunate.
1: When I learned about medical billing and coding, I was mind blown. Oh, I was like, that's a whole, it's a whole position created so they don't know what's on the bill. It's a racket. You know? Exactly.
0: It's a total racket.
1: And, and don't get me wrong. There was a lot of lessons. There's a many lessons. I was like, hey, this is a, this is what a leader sh- leader should be, but this is what not to do. This leader has a couple good qualities, but several bad qualities that I can learn from. So that's what it was. But I do want to say he was a genius businessman. He was mm. terrible with people. Terrible. Like terrible with people. You know, he had like the God complex or whatever. Just I'm a doctor. I'm, I have two doctorates and I'm a businessman, multimillionaire. I'm just going to solve everything with money, but not to talk shit or anything like that. But he was very smart at what he did. So this is something I learned from him. So on the, on the flip side. He he had two doctorates. So he was an oncologist and a hematologist. I don't want people to go Google in Houston. uh, So he had two different very, very deep medical backgrounds, right? And so what he did was he started getting into real estate. He bought real estate all internationally. So he would create the shell of the business, which is the actual building. And he would set it up to be an urgent care or a freestanding emergency room. Then he would start a management company, multiple for each location had one that managed the ER. So now you're getting two businesses. You get the shell with the build out with your, you know, your sixteen slice CT machines and all the radiology equipment and the nurses, you know, corner and all this kind of stuff, right? Triage area, front desk. Build out is beautiful. So you can go and sell that, but he wouldn't. He would manage it himself. So he put together a management team with billing, operations, marketing, this and that. That's kind of where I came in, right? And then he would create a medical supplies company to supply his own er's and then he would create a staffing company to staff his own er's right and then he would charge a consulting fee on top of that and then my arm was the last piece when i built the software so he did he had like seven streams of income in one in one line of work which was incredible to see and i still use that tactic to this day i'll try to i'll create multiple ventures like i'll give you an example in, in a second but from one venture you know how many different streams of revenue can we make so that was that was a good on, on that
0: part. I, I definitely learned from him. So I learned good and bad. Well, it's good that you can take that away from that. And I do want to tap into your marketing genius at some point because like I know that's a big part of what you do, and which is a big reason why even we got connected and I wanted to bring you on because like, that's my whole world. I love that shit. But before we do, though, so then exiting that company, where did you go to next? Like, What was your next venture then realizing, like, okay, obviously, I don't want to work for somebody else and get taken advantage of. I want to do my own thing. What did that look like?
1: What ended up happening was, I I was starting a business with two other partners before uh, while I was at the corporate job, but eight months later, I got scammed by those people, so I went back to corporate America for about eight months, uh, 10 months, and then that point, I just had to because I had bills, I had a car payment, I'm taking care of my family, like doing a bunch of stuff, right? I can always get a job there. I had a really good resume, right? I did like 10 different jobs for this guy, right? 10 different rules. I was wearing multiple hats. I was marketing operations, front end, back end software. Like, I learned everything. That's, you know, one of the skill sets I was really good at learning. So, when I started this company, I got scammed by those people. So, the two ventures that I had, you know, one was corporate America, one was my first venture, did not work out well, which led to the name Principles because those, those, both people I worked with didn't have principles. So, but long story short, the second time I was in corporate America, I went back to a healthcare job it was a completely different, you know, uh, provider. And I was like, yo, this is what I can do. And they're like, "Hey, hop on. And I, I let him know. I was like, yo, I can really change the game for you, but I'm not here for long term. Just I need to I need to eat, you know. Mm. And so he's like, I respect that. And so it was supposed to be three months. I stayed till but I think it was like 10 months I stayed. And then uh, it was a, we left on good terms like, hey, you know, I'm going to quit. And and that point, I made a commitment to myself, you know, promise to the universe. I was like, I'm never going back to work with somebody again. <laughs> and uh, then uh, that's when principles came in. We started this marketing agency. Our first industry and first niche was healthcare. Oh yeah. And then we kind of ventured off and started doing real estate, started doing coaches and consultants and entrepreneurs. And then we got into automation. And then we got into the 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 financial markets, the the, the crypto, the stocks, the forex traders. You know. And then we kind of just expanded. So we got good at we got good at marketing systems. You know, really really good at putting together teams. So graphic designers, editors, content creators, copywriters. You know, then we went to apps. Built a couple. It was an agency. So whatever we had a big arsenal. So whenever we you know we got some business, we vetted it. This is fit what we need to do. Packages for well, were between a thousand bucks and ten thousand bucks. When a forty k app deal came through, we're like, "Great, we're taking it." Hmm. We don't know how, but we're gonna figure it out.
0: Damn, I want to pull on that thread of principles. I have kind of two questions about it. Yes, one, why is it so meaningful to you? Obviously, you kind of uh, gave us a taste of it in terms of like working with people that didn't have principles. So I want to really know what that means from you. And my second part to that question, and you can answer these in either order, is: <clears throat> Have you read Principles by Ray Dalio? Right yeah, of course. Okay. <laughs> do you do you feel like that was a good book on the topic of Absolutely. principles okay okay <laughs> the second
1: the second portion of principles of life like that, that yeah definitely and i still follow ray dalio to this day so yeah yeah i hope he sees it <laughs> Principles. Nah, let's um, connect no yeah. okay
0: so then the first question then give us the context behind that uh
1: what principles really means to me man uh it's a it's a code it's a code of ethics it's like what you build your life on not just business but what are your principles in your family what are your principles? You know, communicating with friends. What are your principles? How you take care of your body? What are your principles? How do you how do you balance work and play? What are your principles when it comes to what you will do and what you won't do? I'll give you an example. It stuck to us so much. There was times where clients were paying us 20k a month, but then we were like, we found out their principles didn't align with ours, so we had to cut them off. No Mm -hmm. matter how much we needed the money, it just became a code of honor. Like, and crazy thing is, it became a brand. So we started launching, and this was for fun. We started launching clothes, backpacks, like my, my backpacks, principles, my gym bag. Uh, we had 20 people with the word principles or the logo tattooed on them, whether it's our clients, our friends, our employees. So it became like a lifestyle, you know. And so it wasn't just a biz- it wasn't just a marketing agency. I mean, we have plans to launch a clothing line because we've done seven or eight drops, and just between the friends, they sold out in like a minute. Damn. Yeah, people are just like, oh, I need the hoodie, I need the, I need the, I need the hat, I need the windbreaker i need the shorts i need the whatever side bags whatever we did and we just did it for ourselves because we like fashion we like you know dressing nice we like incorporating street uh design and and, and and entrepreneurship you know and so anytime we created merch i mean i saw people wearing it all over the place like all my homies would rep it but we went one time we went out with a friend group to dinner it's like 20 people in principles gear yeah. so it's cool it became more of a lifestyle. Totally. And even though people may not work, may or may not work with us when it comes to the business aspect, um, they love what principle stands for. Hey, do good business with good people in a certain way that creates longevity. We're mm-hmm. not here for short-term partnerships. If I can't, you know, we say through business we build brotherhood. So if we can't work together, if we can't eat together, if we can't work out together, probably won't, we won't probably won't do business with you because. You know, you don't have the princi- We don't have the same principles. You have your own set of principles, which is cool. We're not judging or not. No one's better than the other. It just doesn't coincide with ours.
0: I like that. So what would you, what would your principles be? I, I feel like another word that we could be using would be values. It seems like you're yeah. totally like only working with and partnering with people that share similar values and lifestyles. What are like the things about you and your company and your business or even your personal life? We
1: have the four P's of principles. So we have, you know, a foundation set. So it's passion. Purpose, positivity, and partnerships. Mm. And the reason we say that, in no specific order, right? But whenever you have a purpose, not just in a in a business setting for sure. Hey, I want to launch this product or service. What's your purpose? Why? Why do you want to do that? Well, I want to share my knowledge with the world, okay? And then I want to make money. And then I want to create a community that everyone can be network with each other. Cool. That's your purpose. Well, you know, do you have passion doing it? Are you just selling it because you know it can make money? Or do you really live and breathe and die by it? which a lot of clients, and you know in marketing, you can sell something, you can make bank, but you don't believe in it. Like, I wouldn't, like just random example, but I, I have people, you know, I had an insurance client with 65 agents, we did all their landing pages, did all this stuff, I was, it was the most dread, every meeting I hated, because <laughs> I didn't wanna talk about it. I don't care about it, so I'm not passionate about it. You see what I'm saying? Yes. So as a, as a, as a marketer, you gotta be passionate about what you, what you sell. And then we got positivity, That no matter what happens, good or bad, have that positive mindset. Even if there's a problem, even if you screw up, you know, take accountability. I'm sorry. Let's fix it. Let's get it and go back to being positive because that energy, positive energy is contagious. Mm. And then uh, last one's partnerships. You can't do shit alone. You got to have the right people, the right partners. And if you do it, you know, you can go to the moon.
0: I love that, man. That's super cool. I I can relate and resonate with a lot of that. I talk a lot about it in the concept of that you're not for everybody and that's okay. And I think a lot of people, (laughs) they struggle with that is that they want to, be the savant that helps everybody and serves everybody. We were
1: that, we were those people. Yeah. We, we've been there. We were like, Hey, let's take everybody and everybody again. Like a lot, a lot of times I think Richard or Richard Branson said is it, like, if you don't know it, just say yes and figure it out as we go. We were those people.
0: And I think there's a phase for that. I think that that's okay in a certain stage, but at some point there is a degree of burnout that'll happen. There was a burnout <laughs> totally, <laughs> for sure. Totally. Yeah, it's and it's also knowing like where you're at, right? like getting the right advice in the right moment, because I think for a lot of people, if you're just starting out, yes, I would say that's good advice. Like, say yes, figure it out. But at some point, you're saying yes to so many things that now quality drops, your passion for it drops, your relationships drop. Like everything starts to drop at a certain point, and now you have to like redefine what it actually means to say yes to something. Well said. Yeah. So let's continue this journey then. So principles is obviously a core pillar of what you decided to do when you decided to leave, start your own thing. And now you've like branched off into all these other ventures. What are some of like the stepping stones into branching into these other things that you're doing now? So the first one's
1: what you just talked about, uh, try everything and figure out what's for you and what's not for you. Uh, as an entrepreneur, I think in in the beginning you have to wear multiple hats when you're a one man team, you're going to be doing marketing and operations and, and you know, fulfillment and the sales and you know, all that. But eventually as you scale, so two things I want to mention, um, one thing is I got really good at building systems. So I, I launched a course called the VA formula, teaching people how to use virtual assistants in their business. And the first month we did really well. And it was just because I was providing a solution. Yes, I wanted to make money from it. The course was a grand, but then everyone was being helped. They're like, this is crazy. I didn't know I can have foreign employees that are you know, up to standard and they're if not better than you know, what we can hire here. I was like, it's all about how you train them. Who do you find, how you train them, How do you tie them into your vision? How do you take care of them? How do you incentivize it? You know, they're not just VAs. We didn't call our VAs, VAs. We call them, they're our team members. Here's a role for everybody. And we made eight figures with virtual assistants. Not many people can say that. You know what I'm saying? That's cool. So that happened. And then, you know, we got really good at putting together teams in general, not just virtual assistants, but all over the world. There's talent all over. We're all virtual, right? We met virtually. So I don't really like the term virtual assistant because everyone, after COVID, we found out that everyone can be virtual, right? Yeah. Laptop life. You said it. Exactly. (laughs) Laptop lifestyle. Exactly. People have been doing this, right? So you got to be able to find what works for you and then eliminate what doesn't work. And then from there, the second piece of that puzzle is finding the right team. So people with the same principles and core values as you may or may not have the same skill sets. Sometimes it's good to have similar skill sets, but sometimes it's good to have opposite skill sets because if we're both good at marketing, but no one's good at operations, then we're probably going to suffer as opposed to if I'm good at one thing, you're good at one thing. Now we have a match made in heaven. So find that team. And again, I think in digital entrepreneurship, you know, people get caught up in the flash and they get, you know, they want to they want to make short-term money. So they partner with people they may or may not like, and that leads to them making money, but there's no longevity. So let's just say you, you, you cranked out a project you know sold an info product for six months but then you really hate that person you really dislike them or they they're known as a scammer or whatever and then what happens then it's like all right well you, now you're back to square one yeah you made some money but now you have no team again so the the shift that happened for that is now i'm building a team where it's like you're good at this thing you're good at this thing you're good at this thing let's all put this thing together and now we have a solution that we can go sell for x amount and then it's paper for performance so it's not an agency model so I don't want 5K anymore. I want 50% of your revenue or your profit because I'm going to provide X, Y, Z. And then to the client, you have no risk because you're not paying anything up front. Mm. So it's like, obviously, you have to have the foot in the door. You have to build a good track record and stuff like that. So to answer your question, you know, learn what you're good at, what you're not good at. Try everything until you find what works and eliminate what doesn't work. Build a solid team. And then after that, it's just discipline and focus you know what i'm saying just go all in you see a lot of people trying like i don't know if i'm sure you've experienced this but you see that person for six months they're in one industry and six months later they're in a different industry and and then i'm like what are you selling like what are you doing are you just trend hopping you know as opposed to someone who sticks to one thing for a long time but i'm not saying they're in one industry but they just got good at one piece of it and then they can implement that in a, a, across the board like what well, Like like marketing marketing no matter what industry the the, the foundational pieces of marketing don't change, but you just got to tweak it based on the industry you're in. So get good at marketing or get good at copywriting or graphic design or video editing or
0: sales and then go and take it somewhere. You know what I'm saying? Yes, totally agree. I, that's what I love about the marketing world in general and why I fell so in love with it is like you nailed it. I think a lot about how when you get really good at a certain subset or a certain skill set of something you now earn the right to be able to dabble into other industries like take for example marketing or sales or copywriting or whatever it is is like once you kind of master that skill set you can now you now earn the right to kind of diversify your things and start talking about other things because you're really good at this one thing most people just kind of like subpar do everything and they never really earn the right to get into other industries or under other endeavors so which
1: which again that's a good approach until you need to specify and go deep. You know I'm so saying? I'll give you an example. Like, let's just say you're in sales. You're a high ticket closer, right? You're really good on the phones. But then you also got to get good at using CRMs. So you can make your calling and your streamlining of your calling is very efficient. Your follow-up game could be, you know, streamlined because now you're using a CRM to kind of help you automate, send follow-up reminders. Then you might have to get good at, you know, email marketing. So you can take the sales skills and your CRM skills and market through email. Then you might get good at content because now you can funnel everybody through your whatever product you're selling. So you start with an umbrella skill set and then you trickle down. Like, And that's kind of what me and my team got good at. We were able to pick up on tools and software, you know, even like CRMs. There's 20 CRMs you can use. There's 50 CRMs you can use. Get good at one or two or three of them because the concept between the three doesn't change, you know? Totally. If you learn one, you can probably pick up the other. There might be a different UX, UI. There might be different, you know, a dashboard. But the concept is the same. So same thing, like, all these AI tools that we're seeing, right? Same thing. You learn one of them, you can pick up the other ones if you understand the underlying technology and what to do with it, right? People people freak out about AI, right? They've been freaking out about it, but people don't realize like one of the oldest website makers, you ever use Wix? Mm -hmm. People are like, oh, WordPress. Wix has been doing AI websites for freaking 10 years. You know what I'm saying? Like people don't get it. (laughs) Yeah. You can just type in, hey, I want to open a nail salon. Here's my address. Here's the color. Here's the, you know, here's this. And it generates something for you. That's that's AI. But totally. I'm saying being able to use those systems to your advantage. And once you learn one skill, you can trickle down and learn the other skill, right?
0: Yeah. You're, you're clearly a systems-oriented guy, which is why I appreciate talking to you. Do you... Have advice for other people in regards to the AI world? Because you talk about this regularly, right? And do you have a course on AI as well? I don't have a course on AI, no. Okay, but you do talk about the tools as regularly, uh, right? Here, here's what
1: I do. Anytime tools come out, I learn how to leverage the tools into my business. Hmm. And if I can leverage them into my business, I recommend how other people can leverage them into their business. I'll give you a simple example. When NFTs came out, how can we digitize everything and tokenize it you know, through NFTs? we talked about that not because i wanted to make a course or sell it because i was doing it for myself totally right qr code people don't realize it's kind of an nft a qr code people have been using qr codes right and same thing with ai like i have i use chat gpt every day i learn how to prompt really well right um i want to use be human to clone my voice so i don't have to do voiceovers you know shit like that so that's a thing that's a thing (laughs) yeah we're working on it right now we I, i just have 30 or 40 videos already edited to go, like, animation-style videos, and I'm trying to test if I can put, you know, input my four or five videos with my voice, and let's see it, what it shoots out and see if it's accurate. So, like, all I'm saying is I'm using it for myself. Figure out how you can use it for yourself. Um, you know, you have Grammarly. That's a that's an AI tool that's been out, you know, to, to fix grammar. You have Compose. You have Synthesia. You have all this shit, right? Jarvis, Otter, yeah. Have you used Otter before? Yeah, yeah. So like shit like that. So like it's just yeah. a tool. Yep. So learn how to use a tool, get good at, you know, there's, there's multiple tools for multiple things. I think one step deeper than that is learn how to learn. I think I, I, I want to pivot towards that. Learn how to learn. If you can learn how to learn, what kind of learner are you? Are you an auditory learner? Are you a visual learner? Are you a kinesthetic learner? You have to do it yourself, right? Go to YouTube, type in. Top 10 AI tools. Get a second monitor. Watch the YouTube video. Get the free trial and do it. Now, you watch two, three videos on, let's just say, you watch three videos on top 10 AI tools. And out of three different videos by three different people, you find six tools that they both talk about. Go get good at those six tools. Pull up a second monitor, download the free trial, watch a video on that and do it. And now you figure out, can you implement this into your business or not? And if it helps you, use it. And if it doesn't, all right, cool. You learn how to use another platform. It's going to fade away after a little bit. You know what I'm saying?
0: One of the life hacks that I've used is whenever I find myself procrastinating on a task, I often find that if I just watch some sort of tutorial or video or gather some more information on it it often encourages me to now go do it and to execute on it. Because I think a lot of times is that it reduces the friction. I think if we're not executing on something we know we should do, it's because there's friction there and there's something going on in our brain that's like, I don't know how to do it and I'm scared and what if I fuck up? But like being able to overcome that by just like learning a little about it, a little bit about it, kind of like opens my brain to like, oh, that's not that hard. Like I could figure this out and it totally gets me moving in a forward direction.
1: Two things I wanna mention, very solid point. The first point on that was absolutely every single time, no matter what it is, you learn how to play chess, you learn how to draw, you wanna draw an eye, you wanna learn how to use certain technology, you wanna learn what NFTs are, you wanna learn how to trade. Go to YouTube and watch 10 videos on it. Mm -hmm. Don't do shit, just watch 10 videos. Do 1.5 speed while you're on the treadmill, while you're, obviously not while you're driving, but while you're chilling, instead of watching Netflix, watch something, watch 10 videos. After those 10 videos, you are proficient in the terminology, you know what you're doing. Uh, at a bird's eye view then next the next step after that is to open it up get the free trial sign up whatever and do it walk while they're walking through play with it okay if you do if you do those two things you are 50 percent ahead of everybody else the second point on that is i personally don't have that problem i never have analysis paralysis i never get scared of like because if i need to do it i will make time to do it and if i need it i'll implement it if i don't need it i just practice something and that goes that goes to learning and reading. I'll give you an example. People will say, hey, instead of reading 50 books, read one book 50 times and perfectly implement it. I highly disagree with that. Why? Because if I can have three different books reiterate a certain topic, now I know three different people said it. I have no three different perspectives. It's going to be embedded in my brain. I'll give you an example. Morning routine. Everyone's morning routine is different. But one thing establishes have a routine. Some people work out in the morning. Some people work out in the evening. Some people meditate. Some people don't meditate. Some people, you know, take their me time
0: or they jump into work. Whatever it is, figure out what works for you and implement it. So I did some research on you, obviously, before this podcast interview. So I'm glad that you brought up everything that you just talked about because it prompted me of a question I wanted to ask you when I was doing some research on you. You said the phrase just now that you don't really have the analysis paralysis. The question that I was ringing on as I was doing some research is, exactly that is why do you not seem to have this fear like you i think a lot of people i would say most people have paralysis analysis paralysis or just feel a failure or feel fear of other people's opinions might be holding them back i think there's a lot of things but it's all rooted in fear in some way shape or form you don't seem to have as much of that Hmm. if maybe any i have no idea but like why where does that come from
1: because i feel like we are creative beings by nature and if you don't try the answer is always no, you're always going to fail. I'll give you an example. I want to be able to exercise all sorts of creativities. I want to not only do, get draw my tats on myself, I want to do it for other people. Why? Because I just feel like doing it. I want to learn how to play chess. And then I'm, I might not be a grandmaster, but I want to go and whoop some ass. I want to get good at basketball. Like you know, Three, four months ago, I picked up Muay Thai. I've been going five days a week you know, since then. But the whole thing is figuring out, trying different things to figure out what you what you like and don't like because we're supposed to have those experiences. Mm. If you don't try it, if you're, if you're stuck in the matrix and you're doing the same shit and you have the same schedule for 20 years, there's no growth. And if you're not growing, you're dying. My philosophy is try it, you either love it or you hate it, and then you never have to do it again. But you at least you tried it, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And then what I also, I also add a little bit more on top of that is try it again a few years later. You know, try it again. People like try it once. I did that 20 years ago. Try it again. See if you like it again. I'll give you an example. I did this. I I went snowboarding. First time I did it, I hated it. So I did it again two years later. I still hated it. (laughs) I still hated, it, but I tried it because it was cool. And I was like, I want to, I want to push my body to the limit. People, you know, I I skydived two years ago. I want to skydive again. You know, did you like it? Loved it.
0: Did you? Okay. fucking loved it.
1: Crazy story. My girl booked it for us and she jumped with me. And we both jumped for the first time, like it was crazy. That's awesome. But um, yeah. So just try it, like you know, whatever, whatever your mind. Mo- like clothing line. I want to launch a clothing line. Like that's gonna happen. It will happen now, this year, or next year. I don't know. But when we do it, we're gonna go, we're gonna go hard. I want to open my own restaurant. Probably won't happen in the next three, four years, but it will happen one day, hmm. because I just want to have a restaurant that I can go to. That I said, this is my restaurant. You know, obviously I'm not gonna do it where it's not profitable, or you know, we, we, we shut down after a few months, but all those ventures, the same thing, you know, like how do you, how do you break free from the analysis paralysis? Uh, you just have a discipline and determination to, you know, finish the job you started. And if you do that, you can, you'll finish it and you may not like it. So just don't do it again, but finish the job. Yeah.
0: yeah. I feel like so much of what you're saying just to digest a lot of this is that the weight of learning and growing outweighs the fear of failing and not succeeding at something.
1: The way I say it is when you, I read a book a week on, on, on schedule for the last five years, at least one book a week, sometimes two if I'm on Audible, right? The books I read, the YouTube videos I watch, the mentorships I attend, the conferences I go to, the people I talk to, it may not all tie into what I'm doing right now, but one day I'll be having a conversation something I read three years ago will click and someone will say something where everything will align. Hmm. Uh, in business, that happens all the time. I'll give you an example the whole healthcare thing. Most people don't even know about that story, right? They, if they watch our first couple episodes of the podcast, they know when they, when they hear principles, the inner circle knows. But a normal client for the last three, four months won't know that, right? But today when I had that call with the the electronic medical record software, I'm talking to one of the, the developers and he's just like, wait, how do you know? Are you a developer? I'm like, no. He's, how do you know this? I was like, you know, and this is just what I did for a little bit. And so it may not, remember, I, at that time, like, why the fuck did I join this job? This shit sucks, you know? But it came in handy. Same thing with the books you read. Same thing with, I think a lot of times in spirituality, too, when, you, when I learn certain things in, in, in the monotheistic religions. I'll give you an example. So the monotheistic religions, Islam, Christianity, Judaism, right? There's another one called Zorianastrianism that is dead now. But I I read about that when I was, like, 12. And I was like, what is this? Like, put it away. You know, someone's tripping. You know, everyone's, there's 5,000 religions. No one knows who's the right one, right? But then I I watched a video, and it all came back to me because I remember reading about it. And now I was able to make that synapse in my brain. I was able to make that connection. Or, like, there's, you know, when Jesus died, he was 33 years old. And then... When you raise in heaven as a Muslim, you're 33. Everyone's 33. And then you look at the human body, there's 33 vertebrates in your spine. Where would all these connections come from? So like the synapses would fire away. And I'm like, ah, oh. now I have a, my own, you know, I, I just created a new understanding from based on what I read. So. I
0: love the snowballing effect of learning and all the most successful people that I've had on the show and basically mostly just study in general, whether it's. Teddy Roosevelt, who's one of my biggest heroes of all time, or Bill Gates, or Mike, Bill Mark Cuban, or whatever, they're all obsessive learners. Avid, avid, obsessive learners Obsess. all the time. All of them. Me too. And I think it's that snowball effect of that you start to cross-pollinate certain ideas, and they make those connections stronger, so then you actually remember them better because everything's cross-pollinating.
1: You hit the nail on the head. It literally snowball effect. I'll give you an example. It used to take me two months to finish a book. I can finish a book in two days. Yeah, now. That's so, crazy. Yeah, I can finish, I can, I can finish a 100-page hundred, hundred book. I just need to read for maybe four to five hours, and I'll be done. And then I'll retain it, and I'll recall it.
0: That's how Bill Gates is. I don't well, know if you ever saw that. documentary. I, right? I seen the documentary, freaking yeah. awesome. He's yeah. weird. He yeah. does some
1: weird shit, but he's yeah, yeah. fucking passionate. He carry his suitcase is like yeah. his suitcase and he's like books. twenty books. Yeah,
0: that he carries around at all time, constantly Beautiful.
1: studying. Well, when I get hella rich and we're just you know we've made it already, I just want to be able to travel and read. That's yeah. it. I want to go to all the craziest libraries and learn all the best information and just find out what the
0: truth is. The craziest know? library? Do you have a library list that you want to go? There to? There is a few. Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> let me see if I have it pulled up. <laughs> That says so much about your obsession with learning that you have a list of libraries that you want to go attend. And you know digest. what's funny? Like you asked all
1: these things that I posted like a couple of days ago. There was one library. It was like in um uh, Germany. It's like a it was like a spinning library. It's like all the books are on a shelf that's like you can walk through it and you can just pull pull a book. It's crazy. Or you seen like those libraries with the obviously with the the staircase and stuff like that. Or the biggest library in the world in Budapest. Do you ever, and do you ever read fiction? You know, I really I used to. That's how I got into it. I was obsessed with reading as a kid. Mm. And it was funny because all my friends were like half thugs, half nerds. <laughs> and but I was the only one that dressed like a thug but fucking read a lot of books and I was really good at school for some reason. So
0: yeah. cuz I recently just got into fiction maybe about a year or so ago cuz I used to be primarily non-fiction just like you read a ton of books, a very well-read in the personal development world as well. But then I found that reading more fiction books allowed my creative brain Mm. to kind of be more creative and more imaginary and to, because I realized as a kid, I used to be really good at formulating like the visuals of what I was learning.
1: Mm. And I started
0: to lose a lot of that. And so then I started reading more fiction books to kind of bring back that more creative imaginary, like photogenic Nice, and it's worked for sure. Well, books, uh, right now, I just finished Red Rising. It was recommended to me by a couple friends here. Highly recommend it. It's a three-part trilogy series, and it's a phenomenal book. And it's honestly, like, reading this book for the first time, I really feel like I'm using my imaginary brain again. Do you, do you know the author? I don't. Um, Red Rising, okay. Yeah. I'll look it up. But... But yeah, it's something that I've just recently tapped into the past year. And it's funny because like even if you study other other entrepreneurs or business owners, you find that a lot of them find themselves kind of drifting back to a lot of fiction stuff and how it actually carries over into their business of just being more creative and having better ideas.
1: You you know, what's crazy that I would I never had uh, I never had creative blocks. I would always go into flow states where I'm able to draw a lot. I like to draw and paint sketch and paint and do dot work and draw random shit. But I never really, I would use Instagram and Pinterest and Dribbble for inspiration. But I never had like that issue, even if I didn't read a lot. And the crazy thing is, bro, I stopped listening to music for four or five years. I just started again. Yeah, I listened to music once a, a week. And then every other day was audiobooks. I think it's Fridays, isn't it? Fridays was a, a, a music day. Exactly. Yeah. 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 For, I don't know why I picked Friday, but Friday was music day. And yeah, bro, I stopped. I stopped watching movies. I just started mo- watching movies again, and because my business partner Sean, he's big on movies, and he gets his creative, you know, ability from watching movies. And now with like with my family, with my girl and our and our son, we were we're pretty much, we have like movie nights, and now we're like watching like we just watched The Matrix again. Nice. And we're like this the original, is cool. both of them. Okay. Uh, this this one Reloaded. We're doing the number three, I think, um,
0: Friday tomorrow. Hell yeah. Or Friday. I haven't got back into the movie thing only because. I think it could be really helpful and useful, but I'm like you. I'm obsessed with learning. So like whenever I do watch a movie, it you always... Get that guilt? Yeah. <laughs> or, it, or I just gravitate towards documentaries and then it's like... Us too. Yeah, I'm obsessed with documentaries. Which on
1: that note, Netflix has been dropping some sick documentaries. Have you been seeing them? Uh-uh. If you go to the documentary section, they're all Netflix originals and there's some really, really good ones. Like on every topic, I'll give you an example. We just watched one called uh, The Roman Empire. Oh, that'd be dope. The, and then there's one uh, called... Um, Mehmed versus Vlad so it's Vlad the Impaler versus Mehmed Osman. Oh damn. And so and it's cool because it's the Turkish Empire and the and the Vlad the Impaler um what's it called the Ukrainians but it's the vampire story with the the crazy Turks and then but it's it's a how do you how do you say this when they do the documentary but it's also live action. So it's both two and one. Mm, I don't know. I don't know, but think about what I'm saying. So yeah. it's like they shoot a video. Think like Game of Thrones where they're yep. showing all the wars and stuff like that. Yep. But then there's there's experts coming and talk about it. It's fire.
0: I've seen them do that with a few like medieval times type documentary yeah. type stuff. Yeah. So w-
1: watch those. And some there's like uh, we, we just watched uh, the Joy Project with uh, the Dalai Lama. Mm. And then we watched, uh, you know, what? psychedelics do to your
0: brain like there's some
1: cool shit there's some cool shit on netflix they're stepping their game up
0: the roman one sounds cool to me because i know you also are a big fan of stoic wisdom so that's it's about marcus aurelius yeah i would love that it's fire i have a marcus aurelius quote above my bed and it's very specific to the book meditations meditations yeah it's essentially his quote talking about like like how you're like you just want to stay under the covers and like you're cold and it's like is that really what you're born on this planet to do is to just like stay under the covers and be cold he's like no like you're born to go out and to create and to do things like the birds are flying the bees are buzzing like go join the world and like do what you're on this planet to do as opposed to just huddling under the sheets
1: always state of creation that's kind of uh did we mention the book create your frequency Mm-mm. so we wrote a book called create your frequency and it was about always being in the state of creation no matter if it's a Creating your own life, creating a legacy, creating a business, creating art—always in a state of creation. So, we 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 believe in that, you know, a lot. One thing I do want to mention before I forget: Have you read any of Ryan Holiday's stuff?
0: Yes. Fire. Obstacle is the way. Ego is the enemy. Yep. I haven't read his other two ones though. Stillness Uh, is the key. I think. Stillness is
1: is key, and discipline is destiny. I haven't read. Then you got
0: another one. Courage is courage is a calling. You know he's here in Austin, right? I did not know that. Yeah, he's a beast. Yeah, one of my buddies actually worked with him for a while as like his assistant, but yeah, he has a farm just outside of Austin here. Anyways, I have a round of rapid fire questions for you. You ready? Hit me. It's so whatever the first thing is that comes to mind, but first one is, what is your best business advice? If you change the things you look at, the things you look at change.
1: That's deep. I like that. What's yeah.
0: your favorite part about
1: entrepreneurship? Every day something's new. A new problem to solve or new new venture to tackle.
0: What's your best marketing advice?
1: youtube university
0: (laughs) when are you the most productive
1: 24 7
0: (laughs) i've never heard that one that's good tell me one secret about you or something most people just don't know
1: Mm, i love ice cream what kind vanilla in a in a baked cookie with caramel drizzle
0: damn okay any particular brand or it doesn't matter just good vanilla ice cream go to amy's okay yeah it's popular brand or company here uh who's your inspiration
1: Many people for many things, but number one, probably my dad.
0: That's cool. That's good. That's huge that you have that in your life, man. Yeah, for sure. Uh, what would you change about yourself? I wish I started working out earlier. Oh, okay. That's good. Uh, what is? What, or when were you the happiest? When I was able to take care of my family financially. That's cool. What's one app or resource that you're using right now that you've just been found to be like super helpful or useful? ChatGPT. <laughs> it has been a lot of people saying that one lately. What's your favorite part about Austin and you can't say the people? The water. Like the river? That goes the river
1: right? or the lakes. Oh, yeah, Lake Travis. Yeah, I'm from Houston, so we didn't have too much of that. But. Yeah, you guys got a lot of humidity, but not a lot of just open water. Yeah, open water. I love, I love being able to go and
0: paddleboard or something like that, you know? I'm from Minnesota, land of 10,000 lakes, bro. Oh, it does. Have, I've seen that. It's crazy. We actually have closer to 15, but we're land of 10,000 for whatever reason. Is that what they say? Yeah, that's like our motto, but we have for sure like (laughs) 15,000, which is odd. So uh, I have one last question. Before I ask the question, though, I just want to acknowledge you, man, for adding so much value to the world, for following your passions, for... Even though you got into sticky situations with difficult partners, that you still figured out lessons to learn from those challenging situations, from writing a book, from building community, from dabbling into all sorts of things like ATMs and crypto and marketing and healthcare and apps and so many other things in between, and for showing up today as your authentic self, appreciate that.
1: Thanks, brother. I really appreciate you having me and setting up a platform where, you know, you you've interviewed some badasses. So. Imagine what your brain looks like. You
0: know? <laughs> so. so I love this show. I just bring on people smarter than me. And then I ask them a bunch of questions. This is my learning for me. No question. So last question, though, it's really whatever your best people piece of advice is to other business or entrepreneurs out there. So like if you were to start over from ground zero of principles, like principles didn't exist, you're to start over, you're going to build this business, you're going to build this brand. What's maybe the best piece of advice you could give to yourself or even somebody else that want to do something similar?
1: Absolutely. I already got the answer. So get rid of your short term pleasures. And think long term. And that could be for anything. Uh, that could be for putting certain foods in your body. Is this, is my taste good right now, but is it going to help me over time? Hanging out with certain people, whether it's relationships, friendships, partnerships, the things, the the ventures you get into. Is this going to make me money right now or is it going to give me a headache in six six months? Get rid of short term pleasures. This goes for all your vices. If you, a lot of people argue with me like, oh, you know, I can smoke weed and still be productive. Yeah, but what if you didn't smoke weed and you could be hyper productive, you know? Mm. So it's, it's that get rid of short-term pleasures for long-term vision. And if you can do that early, if you learn that quickly, uh, you're playing chess. And if you play
0: chess, you will always be ahead of the game. Playing chess while others are playing checkers. Yep. Just like Kobe said love that. Appreciate you, bro. Hey friend, thanks for listening to the show. And if you have any feedback for me about the show or any other guests that you'd want to see in the show, definitely shoot me a message. I love engaging with my audience and figuring out how I can provide the best value possible to the people listening to this show. Before you go, I only have one ask of you, and that would be to check on my three tips Tuesday newsletter. It's three marketing tips every Tuesday, specifically for the health and fitness entrepreneur to help them attract new leads. If you press the link in the description, it'll take you directly to the archive of all my previous newsletters, and you can decide for yourself if it's something for you. If you end up finding it helpful, you can just, sign up for the newsletter and you'll get it in your inbox every Tuesday. Thanks again and keep hustling my friends.